bringing attention to the present, the here and now, establishing or when this practice of meditation, the whole point is to be awake, fully present now. And so that's something that, um, you know, you conceive of, you can understand the the concepts of here and now, but the actual practice, the actual establishment of being here and now, that's something imminent, something you do internally. And only you can know that you're doing it. And give all instructions how to be mindful here and now. <laughs> and. Uh, all kinds of techniques and uh, teachings from the scriptures and whatnot. <clears throat> but notice how the thinking mind uh, tends to always draw us into the past and the, or the future. Uh, it's important to recognize the limitation of, of thought, of thinking. Because we're thinking creatures. We're creatures that are very attached to our thoughts, our views and opinions. Time is, is real for us. It's reality. The real world, as we, as we call it, is, is all about time, history, evolution, uh, development, the future death in the future, the Armageddon, the golden age of the past, and, and so we, memories that we have are all about the past. <clears throat> We've got this complication around us because even though the path is very simple, just as simple as being present, being fully conscious, open here and now, and we can understand that and even agree to it. But then the, the habits we have are to be attached to ideas, thoughts, teachings, techniques, views and opinions, self-views. And this is what we do with thought. To, be, to say like the, the fetters, of the ten fetters, the first three, all the kind of artifices that we create through thinking and attachment to concepts. So sakya ditti or personality, that's a creation, isn't it? We create it through thinking. Attachment to memories and thoughts, habits, identity with the body, So the personality is something we create into the present moment. So, and yet we're strongly uh, committed to being a personality. Isn't it? It's a very frightening to think of, of not 
being a real person, a personality of some sort. When I was a teenager, many years ago, it was in the United States, it was, say someone didn't have a personality was the, was the biggest put-down or insult. They say someone, she doesn't have any personality. Now somebody says, Ajahn Sumedho has no personality, they'll be flattered, honored. <laughs> because uh, personality is terribly important if you're an American, to be kind of a charming, uh, intelligent, attractive, interesting person. A lot of, a lot of social conditioning goes into, into being that, trying to become <coughs> personality plus. Then the convention, like the, the uh, conventional world, uh, we're brought up with you know, all kinds of attitudes, social, cultural, ethnic attachments, religious attachments. Um, all these are uh, prejudices, uh, superstitions that uh, we uh, hold to and interpret our experience through. So we have Silapata Baramasa, uh, the, uh, the, what we create, the artifices we create into the world with our personalities. And then uh, Wichikicha is doubt, which is always the result of attachment to thought. When you try to think your way to enlightenment, you end up with never being sure what it is or whether you are or not. Like, how many of you wonder, if I reach stream entry yet? You know, or what is a soda, are there any soda bunners? A uh, couple came a couple of weeks ago to see me saying their teacher is a real certified soda bunner. And they said, you know, that's a real attainment. So, uh, and the implication that they're, that he's about the only soda bunner around. So, this is, and he proclaims himself as one. So sotapanna is a stream entry, or it's when you actually realize uh, not to, not no longer to grasp the first three fetters. It doesn't mean you never grasp the first three fetters ever again, but you have this insight of, of letting go and not attaching anymore to the thinking process. Which, create, which ends up as doubt, or the conventions, uh, social conventions, religious conventions, and the personality, habits of our personality. So those are, those are artifices we create onto life, isn't it? They're, they're conditioned. <clears throat> you aren't born with that. You aren't born thinking and doubting. Baby doesn't doubt. When it's hungry, it's hungry. And you notice the thing lovely about young children is they, they are what they are. You know, when they're angry, they're totally angry. When they're happy, they're totally happy. <clears throat> then uh, through cultural conditioning, we get we get all kinds of. You know, what's right and wrong and good and bad, what a boy should be, a girl should be, a good citizen, uh, with moral training and uh, religious uh, doctrines, uh, so forth, that we, uh, we acquire that and we, we, we tend to identify with those conventions. Some of them are very good like the conventions that we use. Buddhist conventions are very good conventions. You know, they're, they're, if they're used properly, if they're used for 
awareness, then they, then they really help. They're helpful conventions. They, they help to guide and focus and direct us. But if we just attach to Buddhist convention as an identity because we're out of fear and, and, and ignorance, then of course it, it's probably better than attaching to other conventions or not having anything but just following any old whim or impulse, but it's not going to lead to liberation. Or the personality is afraid, if I let go of my personality, what will be left? Well, I'd be just a zombie. You know, if I, if I don't have any personality, then how am I going to relate to anybody? I'll just be a blank, like, like a totally empty form that sits there. And uh, no matter what happens, uh, there's no kind of emotion, no kind of language or reaction to it. <coughs> so we conceive that without a personality we, we would be like nothing, and that's rather frightening, to, to drop into nothingness, not being anything at all. At least if our identity is negative, like I'm a neurotic kind of man that, you know, because I was uh, had abusive uh, conditions in my past and because of misunderstandings and unfairness in my past uh, that I have a lot of uh, emotional, psychological problems in the present. That, that makes me kind of interesting in a way, doesn't it? So I, you know, I'm, I can be, you know, I can take an interest in myself as a personality. But what if I, what if I let go of all that and, and, uh, and then suddenly there's the, all those views and opinions that make me into an interesting person or a uh, fascinating character or charming uh, gentleman or whatever, then, or a, a famous monk, a great teacher, meditation master. <laughs> and these are the things you get faced with when you're in my position. And get people, people even called me your excellency or your highness. Somebody even called me the Pope. What? <laughs> <laughs> so these kind of honorific titles and superlatives, you know, they're they're meant to be show politeness and respect. But if you if I'm nobody, nothing at all, and I start thinking about it, that can be from from my emotional habits, that's rather frightening. So in, in uh, Buddha's teaching, he was teaching a way to, to recognize anatta or non-self, uh, you know, the reality of it. In a very simple way, not in big ways, you know, where your personality totally disappears forever and you, you no longer have any emotional feelings whatsoever, and you're just a total blank forever. Uh, but just in the nitty-gritty of life, when, when, there is a, when a personality arises and when it ceases, because when you're really observing, you notice that, that personality is a very changing thing. You're, you're the same person all the time. You can assume you are, you know, you can, you can hold the view that I'm the same person all the time. But then uh, when you're really looking at, at the reality of, the, of experiencing personality, what is it? it changes according to who you're with, the, 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 the health of the body, the state of mind, uh, conditions that are present, that change when you're home with your parents, when you're in a Sangha meeting when you're chairman of 
of a committee, when you're just, just a, a, a nobody in the Sangha, you know, a junior member, when you're the stores officer or the work officer or the guest officer or whatever, what, what happens? You know, personality, of course, adapts itself to, to those roles, those situations, those conditions. <clears throat> so what is it that is aware of personality? What, what can observe and know personality or sakyaditi is that? Because my personality can't really know my personality. You know, there's no way this person can know, I cannot know as a person my own personality. I have to abide in awareness, a state of openness, reflectiveness, Discernment, there's discernment operating. There's not a blank kind of vacuous zombie-like mental state, but it's a very, very intelligent, alive openness, recognition, attention in the present. So I used to like to, to just uh, create myself as uh, just play with m my personality rather than just uh, have say I you know try and take the stand that I trying to let go of personality as a as a cause celeb of practice you know I've got to get rid of my personality not attached to my emotions and these are the these are the ways we grasp teachings of the Lord Buddha. But instead, really, I'd become a personality quite intentionally, just and listen and observe this sense of me and mine. I just like to say, I used to say, all right, me, what about me? Don't you care about me? My view, what I think on this matter, don't you, aren't you interested in what I think and how I feel? And these are my things, my my robes, my possession, my bowl. Somebody takes my bowl and says, it's my bowl. <laughs> I don't have my name written on it. <laughs> uh, engraved in it. <laughs> so attached to it. <laughs> My space, my view, my thoughts, my feelings, and my rights. And listening to this, you know, not, not to knock it down or to criticize it, but to recognize the power of these words. This is how I create myself. I'm Ajahn Sumedho, and I'm uh, Mahatera, and I'm a. Uh, disciple of Lung Po Cha and on and on like this. It's, these are all me and mine and this is what makes me an interesting person, a person that, that has titles and is respected and, and admired in the society. And then listen to that. But what is it that listens and is aware? So more and more I I, just by experimenting with this, the awareness is what I take refuge in, not in the, in the uh, conditions of my personality, the fears or the, the self-disparagement or the megalomania or whatever that happens to be operating in, my, in, the, in the consciousness. Recognize in the five khandhas, you know, like consciousness, is non-personal. And the body is non-personal, the physical body, the rupa and vinyana. 
So we create the person through attachment to Vedana, Sanya, Sankara. Or the feeling, the sensitivity we experience through the senses and the body, the mind, the, the, the memories, perceptions, the Sanya and the Sankara, the habits, the emotional habits and that, that we've developed. That's how, those are, that's the Sakya Ditti we create. We create it in, through consciousness, into consciousness. So we, when we, when we don't recognize this, then we, we, you know, we have no way out of it. We're just uh, hopelessly involved with ourselves, this personality. So like in a communal life, isn't it? it it brings one's personality into, you know, is constantly being uh, challenged in some way. You know, the hierarchical structures that we use, monks and nuns, and, and uh, positions, being ajans, or being majima monks, or navakas, or samaneras, or anagarikas, anagarikas, siladharas, these are all uh, you know, uh, we take very personally. We make them into personal, into, as personal property. So even the conventions we're using become, not, you know, if we're not mindful and, and developing wisdom along with our life, then, then the life becomes one of we're developing an ego around being a monk or a nun. Thinking itself, recognize that 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 the, the great the greatest skeptics are always uh, people that think too much. And uh, in Thailand, they say when somebody has gone crazy, it's because they think too much. I like that. Kit Mark went by. Ajahn Chah said that to me. Somebody has gone really loopy, you know. Psychotic, and they kid Mark goodbye, thinks too much. And I thought, well, in that case, I'm, I'm loopy too. I think too much. <laughs> How do you stop thinking? That was the challenge. How, I, can, I knew, I, I could see, I had the insides. But I didn't know how to stop thinking. Because I kept thinking about stopping thinking. Now, how do you stop thinking? Well, you stop thinking. How do you do that? You stop. <laughs> uh, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> and then you grasp the idea, I've got to stop thinking. And then you, you sit down, you, I'm going to stop thinking. And then you, you, you know, you, you're trying through your personality, through your attachment to views, to stop thinking. And what happens? It just, you, you know, you, you become even more obsessed. It doesn't work, and you, you, you give up. So when, we, when the Buddha pointed to awareness, sati sampachanya, this is our a reflective capacity. Now, uh, using the word intuitive awareness, intuition uh, is, a, is a common enough word in English, but how, how I use that is, is this ability to awaken and be aware. Because intuitively, when I, when I, when I trust in intuitive, intuition, then it puts me in a state of reflection. You know, it isn't a thought. It's not a. It's not filling my mind with ideas or views and opinions are coming from some view. Uh, no axe to grind or, or anything to prove. But it's the ability to receive this present moment as it is. Both as, as I happen to be in this moment, physically and mentally, and the conditions 
that I'm experiencing, that are impinging on me through the senses. So that intuition is, uh, uh, or sati sampachanya, is the ability to embrace the moment. It, it includes everything, it, you know, everything it belongs here, whether you like it or not, or want it or don't want it, not the issue, it's the way it is. If I get caught into preferences and views and opinions about what I need for my practice, then I'm no longer intuitive, I'm coming from an ideal. Um, it has to be like this, quiet, subdued, and, and uh, you know, I have to control the situation, have to uh, calm myself, have to make sure that, uh, you know, the things around me aren't challenging me in any way, aren't uh, disrupting or irritating me. And so then I, I become a control freak because I, I want you know, an idea of what I want and I'm trying to make that uh, an experience for myself. And then I feel that if those conditions aren't present, I can't possibly practice, can't get anywhere, hopeless. <clears throat> and I start blaming. I say, too many people here, too much going on, uh, too many meetings, uh, too many things to do, too much work. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and then I go into my, I want to go to my cave. You know, the, I have this, this uh, troglodytic tendency. That means, a, you know, recluse in a cave. I want to shut the world out and go off into a nice, quiet cave <coughs> where that means, you know, something around me that, that, that protects me from the dangers of life and where, where there's no, you know, challenges. Leave me alone. People are challenging, aren't they? Living in community with others. It's always a challenge. Because, you know, they, they affect you in some way. Everybody, you know, it, it is, we affect each other all the time in, in one way or another. Because that's just the way it is. It's nobody's fault. But it's, it's the way societies are, communities are. So in, in the Buddhist tradition that we're following, which we're using for awareness, right? Like the third refuge is in Sangha, which is community. Sangha is a Pali word for community. And then we say, well, it means only the Aryan Sangha, you know, the Sotapanna, Sakadara, Kamizana, Kamizarhan. So I need to go to a place where I'm only living with Sotapannas, at least, you know, on that. Just, you know, there's Sotapannas, hopefully a few Arahants will be around too. But then, try to find a community where that, <laughs> where, where that uh, is. Exist. You know, with your grasping mind, even if you found one, you wouldn't recognize it. Because even arahants can be bloody irritating. So the point is not to, to try to find the, you know, the ideal community, but the community, say, this community is the one I'm in, so I use that. And how to, you know, because they, they people affect me, they, and my personality arises. You know, I have personal reactions, emotional reactions. And so then the awareness of this, to be, that which, that which is aware, so and so clear in this awareness, so trusting in our ability to be aware, 
so committed to this awareness, so confident in it, that, that whatever happens then, it belongs. You know, there's nothing that it can be an obstruction except ignorance and forgetfulness. So this sense of confidence, or faith, or trust, uh, sada in awareness. Now this is something only you can cultivate. You know, it's a great idea, I admit, but how do you do it? So in, the, in, this, in this style that we use here, you know, the pointing always into the present, learning to recognize, to, to explore and investigate. What is self? What is Sakyaditi? The, the first three fetters. You don't need to go to a poly dictionary or get, uh, but, but in terms of, uh, you know, his personality view is generally how it's translated. Good enough. Then look at what personality is. The awareness. Don't be afraid of being a personality, but, you know, be conscious of being a personality. This awareness. So consciousness, the personality arises in consciousness. And it ceases in consciousness. It, it, it comes and goes and changes according to the conditions that, that keep changing around us. But the awareness is a constant thing. It's, it's, it's a, it doesn't, you know, it, our, we forget it, we, we get lost in the momentum of emotions and habits so that we forget and then we get caught up with, with, uh, with our habits again. So we need, you know, it's helpful to have ways of reminding ourselves, like the mantra Bhutto we use. You know, wake, wake up. Pay attention. Listen. I've used the listening faculty. I listen. I found out that this is... This is uh, the real bodhisattva prayer, Avalokiteshvara, the listener to the sounds of the universe. Listening. Because listening is, uh, you know, I can listen to myself. I can listen to the things that impinge on my ears, the sounds that come in and the sounds within. So listening is, uh, you know, helps to give me confidence in this intuitive awareness by being fully in the state of listening, attentive listening. Now one of the best techniques for recognizing emptiness when you stop thinking, is when I ask you, are there any questions? And notice how blank your mind goes when I say that. <laughs> in England, especially in America, they say, are there any questions? They go, <laughs> I've noticed in, in the UK, in England, you ask that and you get this silence, this wait. And then I used to think, nobody has any questions. <laughs> and then someone, a, a question arises and you, you get it going on the questions and answers style. <clears throat> but just noticing, like uh, the, the non-plussing of the, of the thinking habits, when the thinking when the thinking stops, you're in a state of suspension. And there's still awareness of it, isn't there? There's an awareness. In, uh, 
in, in uh, self-inquiry, these ways of looking in, you know, who am I? Or uh, I use, you know, I had this insight into letting go. So I'd say let go as a kind of reminder. Oh, and that helped a lot, you know, just to remind myself to let go of everything. Because I tended to hold on to everything. And then I say, who, what is it? Who lets go? Who lets go? So I start, and then I, that would stop the thinking mind. I have to look. There'd be this, this emptiness. The thinking wouldn't arise. And I'd consciously recognize the non-thought, the gap. And then, in, like in Zen Buddhism, they use these koans, you know, impossible conundrums that, that you can't possibly answer, in, you know, with rational thought. Stop the thinking mind. So listening, listening to the, to the rain, isn't it? To the silence. You can hear the, the silence, you can listen to the sound of silence. And as you consciously notice this more and appreciate it, rather than to know everything about everything and have all the answers to every question and all the solutions to every problem, move more toward being nobody, not knowing anything at all. That's scary, isn't it? But that is a way of, you know, sometimes that, those kind of reflections help to, to, uh, to direct us, rather, because there is a, a strong desire to become, to attain and achieve. Uh, and, and, the, and so that even with the best of intentions, if that, if that kind of, of desire is not recognized, it, will, it's always will, it always will control you, your, your desire to become something, desire to, to control things or get rid of annoying things or bad thoughts or, or irritations around you. <clears throat> so learning to trust in this Awareness, openness, receptivity, attention, listening. And then I question, you know, the self arises. I bring up my personality. I'm Ajahn Sumedho, and I'm, these are my robes. These are my spectacles. We had a lesson on the Vinya today about the second branching about stealing things. The Vinaya class. You, know. you gotta see, these are not my. To discern, to know what, what I consider mine and what is not mine. So discernment is, is possible, but identity, you know, this. This me and mine is, is a very, are very powerful uh, rec forms of, that, we are, that obsess our mind. So what is it that knows this? What is it that can listen and know and be attentive? And I, you know, then I try, well, it's been, you know, it's the, you know, I can give some kind of, interesting answer to that question maybe is inspire, but that's not the point, is it? It's to to it's an imminent act. To be attend to pay attention is is to do it, not to figure out how to pay attention. Somebody sent me a lovely card the other day saying it has a quote from the Buddha that says, There is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. <laughs> Simple as that, you know. Happiness is the way, or 
mindfulness is mind is how do you become mindful? And then we can give all kinds of advice on meditation techniques, developing mindfulness in this and that. And, and, and you can still be, you know, not have a clue, of, not really know what mindfulness is, even though you've got it all figured out. So stop trying to figure it out and, and trust it. In your own attention to the present, no matter how what your thoughts say or you know, how you feel about yourself as being someone who's, who's this way or that way and you can't do it and, and, and you've tried and you're a heedless person and you've got too many emotional problems and you've got to get this level of samadhi before you can possibly uh, attain this or be that. And then, but listen to that. That's all sakyaditi operating. No matter how intimidating it might be, trust in the awareness of it, you know, and not judge it, and not, not, not try to get rid of it, but recognize. Thinking is like this, views, opinions, attachment to views and opinions is like this. And you begin to really, it's more subtle, you begin to see what attachment to what Ubadana is as a reality that we, a habit that we've developed. And letting go and the cessation. When the personality ceases, when it arises and ceases, when, when there's attachment to it and when there's non-attachment, because, in, in, you know, we all, these personalities are, they're not the problem, is it? Personality is not a problem, it's attachment to it. So you're going to have a personality, even as an arahant, going to have, you, you know, you'll have, that won't mean you have no personality, but uh, arahant has no identity with it, there's no attachment. So we have ways of speaking and and talking and, and doing things in, in, in uh, ways that seem very personal or unique or eccentric or whatever. But it, it's, that's, 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 that's not a problem, is it? It's, uh, it's the ignorance and attachment that the Buddha was always referring to again and again as the cause of suffering. Sila Bhatta Baramasa, you know, we attach to oftentimes righteous views, you know, views that are right, moral and good, to ideals and principles that are high and lovely and beautiful. And, you know, many of us come from very principled and high-minded idealistic societies. So we have, you know, we, these are, and ideals are very beautiful. And they inspire and so on. But, but the attachment to the ideals out of ignorance leads to suffering. So what is it that knows this? this this knowing, this awareness, sati panya, sati sampatanya, intuitive awareness, wisdom, then are operating. It's, it's not something that I can claim personally. My personality, if it starts claiming it, it's just more sakyaditi again. If I start saying I'm a very wise person and, and all that, then it, it's like sakyaditi has, is now claiming to be wise. So, it, you know, when you see through that, how can you claim anything? You know, that, that I am anything at all. On a conventional level, I'm willing to play the game, though. When they say, Ajahn Sumer, I say, yes. <laughs> Whatever, the conventional reality is there's nothing wrong with that either, but it's the attachment. 
out of ignorance. So this ignorance, the avicca, is the, the Pali word for not knowing the truth. It's not like ignorance in, uh, as is generally understood. Uh, and most people use that word. Ignorance means not knowing the Four Noble Truths. So in investigating these truths in an ignorance, ignorance ceases. Just the awareness, just the awakened state takes you out of ignorance immediately, if you trust it. As soon as you're aware, ignorance is gone. So then ignorance arises, you can be aware of it as something coming and going rather than seeing it as some, taking it personally or assuming that you're always ignorant till you become something or other, become a enlightened. You know, so if you're always operating from the assumption, I'm ignorant and I've got to practice in order to get rid of ignorance, you know, then that's a that, that, that we grasp that, then we, we're stuck with that. Until we see through the grasping of those, that view. And this is why I say trusting in the awareness. The ignorance is no longer there. And from that, you know, you, the, the, guy, the Buddha gave Ways, expedient means, ways of looking at experience with mindfulness, so that you know what all sankharas are impermanent. So you're noticing how, you know, that thoughts and emotions and physical feelings, sense experiences are always in this rising, ceasing, inhalation, exhalation. Um, the you know all this is going on. It's the it's a way of looking at all, all phenomena without, without criticizing it or preferring it in any way. It's, a, it's, it's generic, you know, all conditions are impermanent. It's not saying there's anything wrong with impermanence or that they're, they're, they're somehow bad because they're impermanent. It's not a judgment against the conditioned realm. It's, it's a way of noticing the reality of conditioned phenomena, observing it from this state of awareness. And then, and then so you, you know, your, your reflections on a Nietzsche aren't just intellectual projections onto experience. You're, you're witnessing the changingness in a direct way. You're not grasping the statement, all conditions are impermanent. You notice people that grasp those things they end up with being quite depressed. You know, like you say, life is hopeless, you know, all conditions are impermanent. And, you know, you can't enjoy anything. You say, well, you know, happiness is impermanent, beauty is impermanent, it's all impermanent. And you, can, you shouldn't attach to any of it. Somebody even scolded me once for, for appreciating beautiful flowers. They're impermanent. You'll just get attached to them if you start enjoying beauty. You know, so it's an old kind of grumpy approach to practice. You know, put down everything because ro beautiful roses in my garden, they're not going to stay beautiful. They uh, even get pretty ugly. <laughs> But beauty, uh, you know, appears and disappears through vision and through the senses. But the awareness of it, you know, when beauty appears and one is fully aware of it, aware of it without attaching, then that's happiness. And it, it has a kind of joyous quality to it. When it disappears, that, that when the beauty fades or is gone, then it's like this, peaceful. 
So when, you know, things are, are arising, ceasing, changing, but your reference, your abi ab abiding place is in the awareness. So it's not a kind of callous indifference or insensitivity where we're moving towards, but a real sensitivity. Yeah, this is a really sensitive experience, being a human being in a body like this. This is total sensitivity. That's why it's so difficult for all of us. Because it's so frightening to be so vulnerable and sensitive all the time. And then we have to try to protect ourselves because on a personal level it's very frightening. To feel life and to be exposed and vulnerable to so many things that you can't, that are beyond your control. <clears throat> and you never know what's going to come around the corner next, what's going to happen. You know, so one gets anxious about the possibilities of horrible things happening to us, uh, you know, because that's certainly possible in this realm that we're living in. So, encouraging you to, to develop this, this, this simple, imminent ability to... And it doesn't seem like anything. It's not an attainment. You know, and, and even though you think you can't do it, because maybe you conceive it as, some, as an attainment, this is where learning to, to recognize it. And just, even if you, if you can't do it, be aware of the view that you can't do it. Trust in the awareness of whatever is going on. Because when I talk like this, people end up accuse me. Well, Arjun Tomato has been practicing a long time, and he always had good samadhi, and, and so he can talk like that, because he's, you know, and, but, you know, for me, I'm, and then they, they go on like that, thinking that I'm, you know, a highly attained person. And so that saves them from, you know, that justifies where they're at, because they, they, they compare themselves to, what, to, to their projection of me, without seeing what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They're being heedless, lost in views about themselves and about others. So this is why I emphasize this, this trusting in the immediacy. What is this? You know, explore. Just a, enough attention, not willful, not kind of aggressive willfulness, but a relaxed openness, a listening, a resting. And, and learn to recognize So more and more, as through consciousness, you, you recognize it rather than pass it by or overlook it all the time. Then you can focus on whatever, you know, like on the body or the breath or, you know, being aware of what's, what's going on in your body. If this is well established, then, it's, then the rest comes, you know, is... One, one can then decide what wants to focus on in a situation, if, you know, what that involves. So, if I want to be aware of just bodily experience in the present, you know, if I do that in the wrong place, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, so you're aware of time and place. So, is it, you know, this is, this. right now, if I just say, I'm going to do my sweeping practice and shut up. You know, it's not a very good, not the time and place for me to do that at this moment. But then when I get down from here and go over there, it's a good thing to be doing. Be aware of just the, the physical sensations or the tensions or, or awareness, bodily awareness of the breath. And not in any way judging or critic, but noticing. It's like this. 
accepting, allowing things to be what they are, rather than always trying to change them, control them. So these first three fetters, they're the, you know, that once you see through those, then you, then you, you have the confidence to cultivate for real practice for bhavana. Uh, because uh, then, then the practice or the bhavana or developing the path is then, you know, it's very clear, you know, that's, that's, you've got a clear insight into that, which is this trusting and this awareness. Non-attachment. And you know these things, they're no longer theories or ideas. But you, 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 you can, you, you, be, you, you know attachment is like this, non-attachment is like this. There's a discernment, you know, there's knowing the difference. So when you attach to things, really attach, you know, get the feeling of what attachment, ubatana is. Not just hold a view you shouldn't be attached to anything, because then you get attached to the view not to attach. So attach to being this or a view or, but listen to it and observe attachment. Really, really notice uh, the, the power of attachment of ubadana of ambition, of wanting to get something, or wanting to get rid of something. Make it fully conscious. And then, then, then once you really see the attachment, let it, uh, it can uh, inform yourself to let go of it. Why do you let go? Just let it be. So you're more just accepting this until it just it falls away, it drops away. Well, you can't keep anything because it's always changing. So, you know, even if you can delude yourself into thinking you can, by holding on, you can keep something, but, it, it, you know, you begin to see that that's an impossibility. And then after the three fetters, then you're stuck with the existential reality of one's humanity. You've still got these primordial drives and sexual desire and anger, things like that. I mean, <laughs> but now we know better than to make them personal, isn't it? With, with Sakyaditi, we're always judging our, our sexual desires and our anger, hatred and aversion and and fear and all that, and, and a, as a highly, and you know, making it very personal, and and with a judgment around it, you know, some kind of value judgment about it. So, but now we're looking at these for what they are. They're they're energies that are part of being human, of having a human body, and being in a sensitive and vulnerable state, you know, as a, as, a, as, a human, as a human individual. So, so then we, we begin to see, you know, that, that, that understand the nature of, of lust and greed and, and uh, anger and hatred, delusion. Because we're taking the the Sakya Ditti out of it, the attachment to it uh, on, on the personal end, but recognizing the reality of these energies that, that arise and cease according to conditions. You know, if you, if you still haven't seen through Sakya Ditti, then your whole life you're going to be being celibate and brahmacharya and all that, and then, then feeling guilty uh, about sexual desires and ha having anger and hatred and and that it becomes, you know, 
he's becoming, you know, neurotic through, through this identity with those energies and forces that are a part of a human reality that is not personal, that is not, we all have it. As human beings, these are common to all of us. It's not a personal uh, identity anymore, but it's being aware of it. Our refuge is in the awareness rather than in the, a view about uh, judging these, these energies that we're experiencing. Our form is celibate. So we say we don't act. Sexual energy arises and we're aware of it, but we, we're, we're not acting on it anymore. But we're certainly aware it arises and ceases just like everything else. Anger, hatred rises and ceases. When, when things, you know, conditions for anger arise, it's like this. Anger arises and ceases. Fear, a kind of primal emotion, isn't it? The animal realm, fear. But what is it that's aware of the awareness of lust and greed, the awareness of anger and hatred and of fear? That's your refuge, is in the awareness. So I offer this as a reflection.